The information provided on this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials available are for general informational purposes only. Welcome to Rights Here, Rights Now, the podcast about disability, advocacy, and activism. I'm your advocate host, Ren Fazuski. And I'm your advocate host, Virginia Ferris. Every two weeks, we dig into relevant issues, current events, and avenues for self-advocacy. Because someone has to. And it might as well be us. This podcast is produced by the Disability Law Center of Virginia, the Commonwealth's Protection and Advocacy Agency for Disability Rights. Find out more at dlcv.org. So, what are we talking about today? Voting! Voting. It's very important. It's so important, and it is happening, and it is happening soon. We have um, the primaries uh, are coming up for uh, those mm-hmm. of you who are listening in Virginia, which is probably all of you. Um, certainly let us know if I think the not. best bet is that they're yeah, mostly yeah. from Virginia. Uh, as we are the Disability Law Center of Virginia, um, our primaries are going to be on March 3rd, so we're going to try to prepare you guys for that. Yeah, and we'll be speaking to one of our favorite advocates, Jola von Liddell, yes. about what she has to say about voting and all the good stuff about it. But before we jump in, here's Disability in the News. Despite promises to protect Social Security benefits, the Trump administration's latest budget proposal includes an estimated $71 billion in proposed cuts to the program. The spending plan includes a proposal to add an additional layer of reviews to the Social Security process, including reviews evaluating whether individuals are able to go back to work. The Social Security Administration already has stricter standards for qualifying for disability benefits when compared to private plans or other government agencies. A worker is considered disabled for eligibility purposes if they have a severe medical or mental health condition that persists for at least a year or could result in death. At the same time, the 2021 budget proposed by the Social Security Administration also includes a proposal that would require individuals to pay additional fees if they lose their Social Security card. This could be a potential burden to individuals receiving disability who are already on limited incomes. Find out more at CNBC.com. And that was Disability in the News. Okay, well, today we are sitting down with DLCV staff member Jolifon Liddell. Thank you so much for coming, Jolifon. And I want you to tell me everything about disability and voting. Everything. everything. Right now. Oh. Right now. Oh. Oh, of course. <laughs> yes, I'm ready. Well, let's start with kind of the reason why we decided to do this topic. Um, Right now, as of recording, we are in mid-January, and uh, some big events are coming up in February. Tell us about these primaries. Uh, Well, thank you for having me this morning. Uh, Well, we will be um, headed out the staff um, this um, upcoming March 3rd for the primaries. I was so wrong. It's totally March, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. What you say? I said February. She's she said February. She's lying to our listeners. March 3rd. March 3rd. And I was not paying attention. I'm already geared up for March 3rd. So we, um, our staff um, always um, go out to um, hit, the, hit the ground, hit the streets, hit the roads to do some 
surveying mm-hmm. of the polling sites to ensure that our polling sites across Virginia are accessible to voters um, for persons with disabilities. So what does it mean for a polling place to be accessible? Okay, so what that means is that it can be things like um, curbside voting, Mm-hmm. where that means is that if a voter rides up to the polling site, they do not have to get out of their vehicle. Mm-hmm. There is some indication where it be a sign and um, a number or a, a volunteer is there to assist them to do the exact same thing as if they went into the polling site itself to vote. They can do everything from their vehicle and then they drive on off. Um, also, accessible parking near the a path of travel where they can easily get out of their vehicle and clear path of travel to the front door of that polling site, things of that nature. Also, going into their polling site that the door is accessible with a closed fist where mm-hmm. they do not have a difficult time opening up that door. Once they enter that facility, that they also have um, accessible equipment for a person with um, um, vision impairment, that they can use that equipment with ease and independentness. Also, where a person that's in a wheelchair can easily go up to their voting booth and be able to have no issue with voting with no assistance. Yeah, things it, like that. If they put that, you know, the table or the machine or whatever, four or five feet in the air, then I would imagine that that wouldn't be good. Absolutely not. So we look for things like that to make sure that a person with a, with a disability has no problems voting at their precinct. So these are the things that we're looking for when we head out. And I imagine um, I was specifically thinking about curbside voting is that... Um, that you don't have to necessarily disclose the nature of your disability to access these things. You just have to say, I need to utilize these accessible, like either have the curbside voting or something like that. You don't have to explain like the exact nature of your disability in order to access that. Not at all. You just ride up and you and come to the curbside voting, see the sign and, and give your voter registration card as any other voter. So if one of our dear listeners is, um, you know, it's the morning of March 3rd, they go, they're ready to vote, they're excited to vote, and they go, and they need to use curbside voting, but there's not curbside voting, or they see another accessibility issue, what should they do? They, they, there's things that they, they can let us know. We do have um, an online um, access on our website mm-hmm. that they can send us a note to let us, well, fill out the um, complaint form to let us know that they had issues at mm-hmm. that voting site um, to let us know. So we can, so we can follow up to find yeah. out why there was not um, accessible um, curbside voting at that precinct. Can people call or do they need to use the online form? They can call. Every voting day, we have someone manning the phones at our agency to let let us know that there was not um, curbside voting or there was not accessible parking, there was not accessible equipment. We would like to know on that day that there was an issue and they could call us also on that day. 
Um, is there anyone else? That, I mean, obviously, they can call us. Is there anyone else, like, I know that, a, like, a voting board or registrar or Absolutely. something? They can always call their local registrar's office to, to file a complaint to let them know that their um, precinct was not accessible. That is always a choice, too, because they have access um, to that number as well. They can call and let them know that I tried to vote, I could not vote, and tell them what the issue is. Because we can also mm -hmm. provide that information if they let us know, and we can provide that information if they was not aware of their registrar's name and um, information. So I'm going to play devil's advocate for a quick minute. You sure. don't need to. Why are you doing this? <laughs> okay. Um, since um, mail-in balance, absentee voting, since that's a thing, why is it important that polling places are accessible, Joe Lafon? Oh, because it's, you know, it's um, everyone's right to vote. So if, you know, if I, you know, go out to vote, I should have the same right and accessibility as anyone else. Is there, and, and again, I think this is one of those issues in, in disability rights that people aren't very aware of. It makes total sense when you say it, like, voting should be accessible. Mm -hmm. um, I imagine this is covered by the ADA and other federal regulations and things of that nature saying, like, yeah, this all needs to be accessible. Like, absolutely. And that's why, you know, as an agency, that's why we go out to look and, and do the surveys to see if they've made any changes per our recommendations. Because mm -hmm. we've done this before. We, we go out every year. Well, every voting, I should say. I'm sorry, my correction. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in, in some of those previous ones, um, if, if we encounter uh, a county, let's say, that has almost no curbside voting, mm -hmm. um, you know, how do we get in contact with the county to be like, what's going on? What are you doing? Well, what we, what we do is that we will write the um, registrar and send them a letter to inform them that um, we was out doing a survey and we noticed that there was no curbside voting um, at your precinct, where there was no sign, or if there was a sign, there was no volunteer out to assist and what we noticed what the issue was or if we noticed that there was your particular precinct there was no um, accessible parking nearest the entry mm -hmm. that is something that because i helped um most of our agency went out but i know i helped yeah. survey polling sites in november and i think that's a thing that um, people get really confused about with accessible parking because mm -hmm. a lot of these locations already have accessible parking right. but the polling sites are at a different entrance and then they don't mm -hmm. move the accessible parking to the new entrance mm -hmm. for the voting place absolutely that and that's the issue they will open the door that's not the closest to the accessible parking and that's where we would have to inform them that um, the accessible parking needs to be the closest to the entry that you're opening the door mm -hmm. you know, or towards the um, the ramp, things of that nature. Sometimes they're not thinking in that manner. Yeah. Right. So it's things like that, that um, a, a, just a quick reminder and notation to make them aware of when you know what door they're using because sometimes there may be a meeting going on in some of these locations and you know because some of the some of the um, precincts they're using um, schools 
So they also are having, say, a um, um, education meeting or something in the lunchroom, and they have to use a different entrance. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's well and good. But the issue is, is that you need to also take aware of the individuals that are coming in to your precinct and voting. Mm-hmm. And so you, you have to abide by those laws and regulations as well. And I think also, again, this is something that I remember from my surveying, mm-hmm. but when you say that there needs to be for curbside voting either a sign or a volunteer to, to, to assist the person with that, that doesn't mean the campaign people outside. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. That's a good point. Uh, thank you for um, making that distinction because that's a good point because there are volunteers that are out there, but they are the camp. They Most of the time it's the campaign workers. Mm. Um, they have to yep. be separate. They are not allowed to go in the building, which they should not. Sometimes they do because they want someone to go. They want them to vote. Absolutely want um, the person with a disability to vote and have that opportunity, but they should not be going in and grabbing someone and having to cover up their, you know, who they're working for and things of that mm-hmm. nature to grab someone. No, it ha- it should be someone that's working within the polling site and working at the polling site. Um, so, yes, no, separate person. Um, in, in, sometimes what happens is that they will have a number on the the um, curbside voting sign where you can call, but it would be helpful that there is someone manning the curbside voting that works with the registrar's yeah. um, right. location. So that would be the perfect life mm-hmm. if we could have someone working um, both the um, number and the curbside voting yeah. that we can just, when you drive up, you have someone there to assist you and go on. So if any of our dear listeners have um, gotten really riled up and excited about uh, the successful voting thing um, and they want to help us survey polling sites across the state, how would they do that? Yes. We um, that would be great because this past this past um, November there was a great um, a great um, outpour of um, volunteers polling their own polling sites helping us poll and that was great. We always um, welcome that and want that to happen. If they will go on to our website, we always have a volunteer. a volunteer um, mm. opportunity for voters to just go out and sign up and just fill out the um, their own survey sheets. Yeah. And that's on our website under the um, voting um, clip on, on our website. It's very easy to find, and that will be up and running in time for um, elections. So again, uh, Joel Lafon, why don't you remind us about uh, the upcoming primaries and uh, accessibility and what people need to do uh, about surveying? Yes, um, on March um, March third, we will be headed out to um, survey um, polling sites across Virginia. Um, please um, keep in mind that we would welcome. Um, persons with disabilities to survey, family members to survey. Um, Let us know if your polling site is accessible by going to www.dlcv.org. Click on the link that has um, voting. It will be up and running in time for the primaries. 
um, and look and just let us know what is accessible and not accessible. We welcome all volunteers for this um, opportunity and thank you so much for listening. Well, that was incredibly informative. It's super important to, uh, I think this is sort of basic level community engagement is making sure everyone can vote. Yeah. So thank you so much for sharing this topic with us. We really appreciate it. Thank Joe. you, Jellafon. You're welcome, ladies. It's a pleasure. And now a DLCV highlight. The Virginia General Assembly is in the post-crossover stage of the legislative session, where each house of the state legislature decides on bills that began on the other side. DLCV works to educate policymakers and the public about the potential impact of legislative proposals. We post regular legislative highlights regarding bills that affect the disability community, such as special education, guardianship, and mandatory outpatient treatment. You can learn more at dlcv.org under Legislative Highlights, and please reach out to us if there's something we need to know about. And those are the DLCV highlights. Tune in next time to hear more about what DLCV is doing on behalf of people with disabilities. So thank you again uh, to Jolifon for coming in and talking to us about voting. Um, I hope that y'all will be able to get out there and vote on uh, March 3rd or vote absentee sometime before that. Yeah, and if you're able to, it would be great to have y'all's participation and be able to complete a survey because the more people who are able to go to those polling sites and let us know what's happening, the more we know about what's going on. Yeah, truly. So um, go on our website, again, dlcv.org. Um, check out what you can do to let us know if your polling place is accessible. Does it have curbside voting? Can you get in the door? These are important things. Very important so things. So important things. So thank you all for listening to this episode of Rights Here, Rights Now, brought to you by the Disability Law Center of Virginia. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. If you need assistance or want more information about DLCV and what we do, visit us online at dlcv.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at DisabilityLawVA and share us with your friends. Until next time, I'm Virginia Ferris. And I'm Ren Fazuski. And this has been Rights, Rights Here, Rights Now. Now.